good to know who holds tomorrow. And good to know that he holds your hand if you know Jesus Christ, your Savior. Well, we started a message this morning, and my intent was to finish this message this morning, but uh, we got, uh, got behind the clock, and we, so we decided we'd just carry on tonight. Take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. If you would please stand for the reading of God's Word. I'm not going to read all that I read this morning, but I'm going to begin reading verse 12. It says, He that hath the Son hath life. And he, hath, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life. That ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask... We know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is, there is a sin not unto death. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. And we know that the Son of God has come, and he hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true. And we are in him that is true, even in his son Jesus Christ. This is the God eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. And of course, we use as our text verse, we use verse 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. As we've titled even this morning, we've titled to saying tonight, This I Know. And let's pray. Father, we come to you this evening asking for liberty, asking for direction. Lord, may we be a blessing and encouragement. We thank you for the ones that were saved today down at Children's Church. Lord, I ask tonight that you just be with us and help us to draw an eye to you and serve you, Lord, with our whole hearts. May Jesus Christ be magnified. May you be lifted up and draw all men unto you. And Father, I pray that you'd help us to know you in an even greater way than we ever have before, especially in these last days as we see uh, your return coming soon. May we know you in such a powerful way, Lord, that it motivates us and stirs us to live for you. For this I ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You be seated. Well, we began talking about that there's two ways that we can know, and I'm not going to go through all these, but just remind you a little bit of it, is the fact that there's two ways that, that the Lord uses, and, and there's more than that, but the main two ways that God uses to speak to our hearts that we might know the things of God and to know God, first of all, is the Word of God. We find there in verse 13, it says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know. And he says, I've written these down that, so that you can have an understanding that you might know. And he goes on and we talked about different verses. His words lamp into our feet and a light into our path. 
And it's to guide us, it's to direct us so that we can know the direction that he wants us to go. He says, forever, O Lord, uh, thy word is settled in heaven. It's not a changing Bible. And a lot of people want to change the word of God to fit their life. Can I tell you something tonight? God doesn't change his word to fit anybody's life. Yeah. We're to change our lives to fit his word and to follow him and to obey him and do what he wants us to do. It's settled in heaven, he said. Forever. It's forever settled. Eternally in heaven, he's not going to change the word of God. And he said, listen, he said, my word is, 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 is complete. It's, uh, it's perfect and there is no changing of it. And, and I'm not going to change to you. This world wants you to change to them. And we've got, we got government that's wanting us to change to, to the woke generation, to be like the woke generation. Can I tell you something? This book is, is awake, but it's not woke. Amen. Amen. And it's alive and it's not dead. And we need to preach it like it is alive and point people to Jesus Christ. Well, heaven and earth says shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. He has given us his word that we might know him, know his ways, know his will, know the wonders of his grace and his salvation. But I'll tell you what, that was the grace of God, the working in, in salvation to save those, those kids this morning. And uh, you say, well, preacher, can kids get saved? Amen, they can get saved. And when God begins to deal with the heart, they have an understanding, and he draws, and the Holy Spirit of God draws, and they're young. He said, such is the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about children. And the fact is, is that, boy, praise the Lord for that, the wonders of salvation. He wants us to know, even at an early age, know him in salvation, and know him to live for him and to serve him. He's also given us the Holy Spirit. When we get saved... The Holy Spirit moves in to dwell. And the whole job of the Holy Spirit is to, to magnify Jesus Christ, to lift him up before us, that we might know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 20, it says, What know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and spirit, which are God. So we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us to guide us, to direct us, that we might know the Lord, that we might have understanding of the Word of God, that we might see the hand of God, that we might feel the presence of God, and know God in a greater way than we ever have. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, he says, uh, uh, But as is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither enter into the heart of man the things that which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit, by the Holy Spirit of God. He reveals those things unto us. Down in verse 11, he says, For what man knoweth the things of God, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God knows the things of God. He is God, and so he's going to reveal those things to you and I if we'll allow him to. Too many times today, let me just stop right here. Too many times uh, we, we shun the, the, the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives to guide us, to direct us, to allow us to know the Lord. And we, we set him aside, you might say, when his job is to work in our hearts and lives and get us to know the Lord. It would be like when Janine and I got married. Uh, my, uh, she, was, she lived in, in Marshfield, and I lived uh, all the way across the state in southeast Missouri in Piedmont, the metropolis of Piedmont, and, and uh, uh, there of 2,600 people. My brother was going to Baptist Bible College. She was going to Baptist Bible College. I went out to visit my brother, and, and he said, I want to introduce you to this young lady. And I'll tell you what, you, sometimes you just don't want your family introducing you to nobody, Amen. <laughs> I mean, you, you just don't know what, you, especially your brother. 
But he did a pretty good job, amen? amen. And he introduced us. And we got to know one another. Can I tell you what the Holy Spirit does? He introduces you. He gets you to know. He brings you into that place of, of fellowship. He brings you into that place of understanding. He brings you into that place of sweetness. He helps you to fall in love. Now, my brother didn't help us fall in love. He, you can just scratch that. But the fact is, is that we, uh, that the Lord, he works in your heart and life. The Holy Spirit works in your heart and life that you might know the Lord, that you can fellowship with him and, uh, through the Spirit of God and allow God to do a work in your life and, and draw you close that you might know him in a greater way. Verse 12 says, Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, which is the Holy Spirit, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. To know Him. To know Him. Then we dealt with the fact that, not just the two things, but we dealt with the fact that He wants you to know that you're saved. And I'm not going to go through all this tonight, but He tells us again there, He said, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you may know, that you may know, that you may know, that you may know that you have eternal life. Too many people today who sit in that situation and say, well, I hope I'm saved. Maybe so. Don't know until I get to heaven, or don't know until I die. My friend, the Bible says that you can know. It's not a hope so, maybe so. It is a no-so salvation. God doesn't play games. What a terrible thing is, is that people don't know and then they die and go to hell. Maybe think so. Maybe have the maybe so. And then die and go to hell because they really didn't know. But can I tell you, listen, uh, tonight God wants you to know. He made it as plain as possible that the Bible says that even a child needeth not err therein. And so the fact is that he wants us to know that we have eternal life. And it comes, as we said, to those who believe on, not just believe in. There's a major difference between believing on and believing in. We used a little illustration this morning. To believe in is to, is to think, yeah, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. But to believe on is to trust Him with your heart by faith. That's to believe on Him. And so we went on and we dealt again with the fact that He wants us to know also that He hears our prayers. I think a lot of times Christians don't stop and realize that God has an ear tuned to you at all times. The only thing that's going to make his ear heavy is sin that stands between you and God. And the fact is, is that God wants to hear us. He wants us to call upon him. He wants us to seek him. He wants us to. Why? Why would God want that? Why would a holy God in heaven that created all things, why would he want to hear my prayer? So that you can know him. What? Oh, yeah. So that you can know him. Know that he has great ability. Know that he has great power. Know that he has great mercy. Know that he has great grace. To know that he can answer and that he can do above what you can even imagine. Jeremiah 33, 3, call on me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Why would God do great and mighty things beyond what, what we can even imagine? So that you can know how great a God he is. So that you can know him. I think today that many Christians today, their, their, their Christian life is so shallow because they don't even try to know the God of heaven who saved their souls, who do they put their faith, they say they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, but they really don't know him like they ought to know him. Boy, there's a need today. There's something about when you get to know somebody or 
or get to know some things, it, it changes your perspective and it changes, it motivates you and stirs your heart. <coughs> we need to know the Lord that way. One of the ways is through prayer, to know Him. And then we go down, he, he wants us to know Him. I believe with all my heart, and this is really the whole crux of it, but we're going to look at some other things here, but really with this as far as we got with the fact that He wants us to know Him. Look there in verse 20 of 1 John chapter 5. He says, And we know that the Son of God has come, and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true. Who's true? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He is truth. He's true. And we're to know God. He says, and we are in him that is true, even in his son Jesus Christ. That is the true God and eternal life. And that knowing Him is that fellowship. And, and when you begin, begin to bring it down to know Him is to walk with Him, to build an understanding, He said, to understand. One of the things in a relationship, you guys listen up here. You, you, you know, you're going to be wanting to put one of these on a girl's finger one of these days. To build a relationship, you've got to build some understanding. Okay? See, what kind of understanding? My wife has built into me the understanding she's boss and I'm not. No, 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 no. <laughs> you have to have an understanding. You have to understand somebody before you can really get to know them. The fact is, is that everybody is different. And there's things about everybody that you've got to learn and have the understanding about them. Sometimes you, you, when you, and I don't know, there may be some in, in this room that I, we always, when we have a missionary in, a missionary and their, and, their, and their wife in, a lot of times, most of the time we have them in our home and we feed them. And one of the questions that generally comes up at the table is this, how did you meet? And it's kind of strange because some say, well, we was in Bible college or we was here or there or we, we was raised together and we really didn't like one another. We clashed. Boom. Just did not get along. First time I seen him, I thought, boy, that's a jerk. <clears throat> and as they got to be around one another, they began to understand different ones' ways, understand why they may have come across that way, and then they began to know them in a greater way, and they fell in love. How did they fall in love if they didn't like one another first? It's because they didn't have an understanding of that person. The Lord says, wait a minute. He said, well, I want you to understand me. He said, I want you to know me. I want you to know about me. He, he said, but more than knowing about me, he said, I want you to know me. He said, I want, you to, I want to, us to abide together. He said, I want us to abide. He said, let my word abide in you. He said, I want us to abide together. He said, I want us to have fellowship. I want us to have, have that relationship that builds and grows and, and so that we can know one another in a greater way. The greatest thing in your life is on this journey with the Lord Jesus Christ that you learn and understand Him and get to know Him in a greater way. Well, that brings us down to where we're at tonight. The Lord has several things that He wants us to know. He wants us, the Lord wants us to know the presence of God. The presence of God. So often... I'm around people who profess to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. 
and you begin to talk to them, and though they don't say this, you can sense in their in their in their in their what they're saying and their in their attitude and their spirit that they think God is a long ways off. He's nowhere around. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to handle this. I, you know, I'm, I'm going through this difficulty. And what they don't realize is, is the presence of God. He's there with them at that very moment. And we act like many times in our prayers that God is millions and millions of miles away. And that it's going to take days and weeks and months for our prayers to even get there. When God says, wait a minute, I want you to know something. I want you to know something. Come here, Levi. He said, I want you to know something. He said, I want you to know I'm right here. I'm right here. I want you to understand my presence. And when you're going through your day and when you're going through difficulties, he said, I want you to know I'm right here. When you're going through problems, when you're going through the health issues, and when you're going through times that, that nobody uh, wants to go through, he said, I want you to know, I'm right here. And in times when it's the darkest hours of the day, and when it seems like nothing's going right in your life, and it seems like everything's going wrong, and it seems like nobody's around, and it seems like you're alone, he said, I want you to know something, I'm right here. I'm right here. One of the greatest things that you'll ever know about the Lord Jesus Christ is he said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. But how often do we in our times of difficulties and struggles forget the simplest of that verse? Or we may quote it, he said, he'd never leave me, he'd never forsake me. But do you really know that? Do you really latch on to that? Do you really understand that you have the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Almighty God, the Creator of the universe, the, the, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the, the, the Rose of Sharon, the, the coming King, the, 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 our Savior, our Redeemer, the, the great physician? Do you realize that He's right there with you right now? Amen. He says, I want you to know. I want you to know of my presence. Say, so, preacher, why is that so important? Well, it's like a child. And, and really the Bible de describes us as children. And as a child, many times in the dark of the night and when things are, 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 are scary to us, we, there's something about having mom or dad right there with you, knowing where they're at. Like the little boy, I've told the story before, the little boy, he, mom and dad took him in and tucked him into bed, said prayer with him and everything, and, and told him good night, turned the light off, went in their bedroom, and in about five or ten minutes he said, Mom, can I come in there? No, go to sleep. But I'm scared. That's okay, just go to sleep. Okay. About two minutes later, Dad, can I come in there? No, son, you need to go to sleep. You got to get up in the morning. Go to sleep. But I'm scared. No, go to sleep. A few minutes later, can I come in there? No. Why don't you read your Bible? Get your Bible. Pull, get your Bible and hold it up close to you and go to sleep. Pretty soon he said, Mom, Dad, can you come in here? Son, we told you to get your Bible and you'd be okay. Jesus is right there with you. 
He said, I know, but I need somebody that has flesh on. <laughs> you want to say This somebody's right here with me. Christian, listen to me. Our Heavenly Father says, I want you to know, not hope so, wonder. He said, I want you to know that I'm right there with you. I want you to have an understanding of that. He said, I want you to know that I'll never leave you. I want you to know that I'll never forsake you. I want you to know that I'm always present. The psalmist said in Psalms 46.1, God is our refuge and strength. A very, now listen to this, a very present help in trouble. Very present. It means that he's there and you can know that he's there and that you can experience the hand of God in your life and you can experience what he's doing. He said, I'm a very present help in the time of trouble. He wants us to know that. He also wants us to know his love. This world is so messed up on what real love is. Our biggest problem today, you, people talk about love and all they're thinking about is physical. They don't understand true love. No, the Lord loved us even while we were yet sinners, the Bible says. But God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loved us that much. And what motivates me for you is that I love you. Why would the Lord send his son to die for us? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believed him should not perish but everlasting, everlasting life. It, he was motivated by love for you and for me. And he wants us to know that love. A lot of the um, psychologists and different ones that deal with people's problems, many times they get to a place and in, the, in, the, in the sessions with them that they find out that this person feels like that they're unloved, that nobody loves them, nobody cares about them. And they struggle with that vastly. And many times they'll go back and they'll, they'll begin to to tell this to maybe a parent or somebody else, a spouse or somebody or, or the children or, or whatever it is. And they said, we love them. But this person doesn't know that in their mind. And God says, wait a minute, I don't want you to ever go through that. I don't want you to ever go through a time when you think that I don't love you. He said, I want you to know that I love you. And he reminds us when we begin to think about his great salvation and how that he, he came in the, into this world and he took our sins upon him. They was nailed to his cross and he died for us that we might have eternal life. He rose again from the third day and he, because he lives, we can live also. But my friend, it's because of his love that he did that. But let's go a little bit farther with his love. He said, I want you to know that I love you enough. He said, I want you to know my love. He said, I want you to know I love you enough that even after you're saved, he said, I'll forgive you your sin. If we go back to 1 John chapter, chapter 1, verse 9, it says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He wants us to know that. 
He wants us to know that that love is unmerited love. We don't deserve that love, but it's, he said, I want you to know you've got it anyway. It's an unchanging love. And it's not, can I tell you something tonight? His love is not dependent upon our, uh, uh, our abilities or our uh, performance in life. His love is a love that we need to know. Even when we fail him, he says, my love doesn't change for you. Even when we fail to show our love to him, his love doesn't change for us. His love is unchangeable. He said, I want you to know that love because you're going to need that when you go through difficult times. When you even yourself fail me and you uh, feel like that you have no, uh, have no ability to, to <coughs> excuse me, have no ability to, to get it right. He said, I want you to know that I still love you. Now let me say this. You love your children, but you discipline them. And if you don't discipline them when they're wrong, you really don't love them. God says, I want you to understand. He said, when you get disciplined by me, he said, I want you to understand. He says, because I love you to bring you back into line. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 16 says that he would grant, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that she being rooted and grounded in love. In verse 18 he says, may be able to comprehend. He said, I want you to comprehend. He said, I want you to take a hold of it. With all saints, what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height. And then he goes on and says, and to know the love of Christ. He said, I want you to know. He said, not just wonder, not just talk about it, not just use it in a message, not just uh, 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 say those words to somebody else. He said, I want you to know. What is that? It's to comprehend it. It is to experience it. It is to know what it means to be loved by the God of heaven who is the greatest and most powerful being that there ever was, ever will be. He said, I want you to know my love. Then the Lord wants us to know some real joy. You look around, you look, you read the papers, you watch the TV, and you see the news, you hear the, on the radio and everything else, and boy, I tell you what, it just seems like the joy just goes right out the window. You hear all the politics, and you hear all the junk that's going on, and you see all the corruption and everything, and knowing that things, and the thing of it is, just remember this, when you hear the news and when you see all that junk happening, we're just closer to the return of Christ. And the Bible says things will wax worse and worse. So don't be surprised what pops up this week in, in, in the news or, or in the newspaper or anywhere because it, things are going to wax worse and worse. But just remember the Lord wants you to have real joy. So real joy even through all these difficulties? Yes. The psalmist said in Psalm 16, 11, he says, Thou wilt show me the path of life. Otherwise, he said, you're going to show it to me. He said, you, you want me to know it. In thy presence is the fullness of joy. Wait a minute, let's stop right there. He's telling something to know. He said, in the presence of where? His presence. is fullness of joy. 
And he wants you and me to know where real joy comes from. It doesn't come from the world. It doesn't come from your bank account. It doesn't come from your house. It doesn't come from your car. It doesn't come from the politics. It doesn't come from things. It doesn't come from anything else. True joy comes from the presence of God in your life. And he said, I want you to know that. He said, I want you to understand where true joy comes from. He said, I want you to know true joy. Because so many people are going through this life. People are taking uh, uh, pills to carry them through the day and, and, and to put them to sleep at night and to, t and to wake them up of a morning to keep them going all through all the difficulties and struggle. And, and, and they're not really having true joy. And they, they buy this and they think that that's going to make them uh, bring joy in their life. And it doesn't. It breaks and it goes back to the store. They, they get this here over here. They, they find this. I'll just use a boat. They find this new bass boat. And man, it's the best thing on the market. And boy, everybody is uh, going to wow about that. They get it and they pull it into their, into their driveway and they look across the street and some guy pulls in one bigger and better. And their joy just goes. Real joy doesn't come from things. Real joy comes from the Lord. He said, I want you to know where real joy comes from. Remember we talked about knowing him? He said, by knowing me, the more you know me, the greater your joy is going to be, really. The psalmist said in Psalms 46, I'm sorry, in, in John chapter 15, 11, he said, these things have I spoken unto you. Otherwise, he said, I, I, I've spoken them. They've been written down. I've spoken them from the word of God that my joy may remain in you and that your joy might be full. So what he said, where do you get your joy? He said, my joy. Jesus said, my joy. That it may remain in you. And what does it do? It brings that joy level on up. It fills it out. It's kind of like you, you, you drive around and, and you, all of a sudden you look at the old gas gauge on the car and man, she's down there on that E over there and you go to the gas station and, and you, you start pumping that, that liquid gold into that thing. And that needle goes up. As long as that he remains in our life, it stays full. But when you take him out of your daily walk, you're not going to have fullness of joy. When you take him out of decisions in your life, you're not going to have fullness of joy. He said, I want you to know where real joy comes from. He said, it's from a life of following me and, and obeying the Word of God and the things of God and the Spirit of God and, and allowing those things to take place. 1 Peter 1.8 says, Whom having not seen, you love, and whom though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. By the Spirit of God and by His Word, we can know real joy. Lord wants us to know that we're secure in Him. Probably one of the things that is bothering a lot of people right now, and I hear different ones talk about it at times, is their 401ks, their retirements, the, the, what's going on in the country, what's going on in, in, in the other countries and everything, and there's a, there's a sense of a lack of security feeling like something could really take everything that they've got. 
something disastrous could happen in their lives. And, and there's a lack of that security and that feeling that, that uh, everything is going to be okay. That everything's going to be all right. And there's that lack of understanding that there's, these things really don't matter compared to what the Lord has. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, Paul was writing to Timothy and he said, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Paul was under persecution. And you can go back to those verses and you can see some of the, surf, the persecution that he was suffering. But he says, uh, For the, which cause I also suffer, suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. Now listen to what he says. For I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. He says, I know who I'm trusting. I know who I'm trusting. You know, most of us, we trust this, we trust that, what different things. But the greatest trust that will never ever fail you is the Lord. But you've got to get to a place where you know that or else you'll keep trusting yourself. You'll keep trusting that piece of plastic in your billfold. You'll keep trusting this. You'll keep trusting that. What we've got to do in this day in life, and especially as, as roller coaster as our world is today and the turmoil that's going on, we've got to be able to trust someone, and that's got to be the Lord. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, 6, and 7 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, all of it, and lean on to thine own understanding. Otherwise, you don't have to understand what's taking place. Just trust the Lord. He said, Trust the Lord with all thy heart, lean on thine own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. And he shall direct thy paths. And he goes on, he says, And be not wise in thine own eyes, but fear the Lord and depart from evil. You know what he's saying? He said, don't try to figure it out. He said, trust me and you'll be secure. Quit trusting yourself. Quit trusting man. Quit trusting the government. Quit trusting uh, all this stuff around you. He said, trust me. Romans chapter 8. Verse 35 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? And he says in verse 36, As it is written, coming back to the word of God, that God has given us that we can know. For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted sheep for the slaughter. He's, he's talking about the, the stress they're in. He said, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Talking about Jesus Christ. He says in verse 38, for I am persuaded. Otherwise, I know. I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He says, you know what? I'm persuaded. I know that God's going to take care of me. When you see all this stuff coming about, and we've been preaching on Wednesday nights about things that are coming and we've talked about the rapture we've talked about tribulation a little bit we'll get back to it a little bit but then we talked about the Ezekiel 38-39 war always past three weeks here and, and those things can be kind of unsettling when you get to think about it but it comes down to this he said I want you to be persuaded I want you to know that I'm going to take care of you I want you to know that there is nothing that can take you away from me. We're to be persuaded. We're to know. The Lord wants us to know He's coming again. 
Revelation chapter 22 verse 12 says, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according to as his work shall be. John chapter 14 and verse 1, begin there, he says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. What's he saying? He says, I want to give you some security. I want to give you some confidence. I want you to understand, I'm coming back for you. Amen. I'm coming back for you. Sometimes we get, you know, I don't know about you, but I, I, I've watched people and <laughs> I've told about years ago when my pastor, he drove off thinking that his wife was in the car. Because he had a man sitting in the front seat that he was going to take home, and she was she put her stuff in the in the she had her some book, her Bibles and and purse. He put it in the back seat, closed door, and was walking around to the other side of the car to get in behind the preacher. And the preacher just drove off. And Miss Parker just stood there, and we all stood there and we laughed, and we thought he was playing a trick, and the church had a big. We had a, a big field out in front there and it had a, a circle drive. We go all the way around. You know, or you could go out on Canyon Road. Goes down, we thought he'll swing right back around, come back and get her, just you know, laugh about it. And she was standing there thinking he's coming back. He makes a right hand turn, goes out on Canyon Road. Goes down Canyon Road to Highway 34. We thought, when he gets to Highway 34, he's going to realize she's not in there. Gets on, he gets to Highway 34, he makes a right hand turn, and he's gone. And we're like, we're not going home. We're waiting. We're going to see this thing unfold all the way through. And he was gone for quite a while. And she was getting a little warm under the collar. And we was laughing ourselves silly. Pretty soon we seen the car. We can see all the way down to Highway 34. We seen a car turn. And that, that's the preacher coming up through there. Come in, he pulls around, he comes around that circle, comes up in front of the church, and we're all standing there. <laughs> Why was we still standing there? Because we knew he was going to come back for her. We knew. And we wanted to be there. Can I tell you something? You can write it down. You can take it to the bank. He's coming back. So that we will be where he is forever if you know Christ as your Savior. He said, I want you to know I'm coming back. It's not over. I'm coming back. He wants us to understand that. Then lastly, and I think this is really important, he wants us to know that he's God. He wants us to know that he's God. He's not some gray-headed grandpa sitting up in heaven. I've heard different ones use terms like the man upstairs, 
laughing and joking. I've heard different ones make comments. Uh, some of these Hollywood uh, stars, when they got a, a, a trophy calling Jesus their homeboy. I've heard different ones refer to him in so many different ways. But can I tell you something? He wants us to know that he's God. And there is no other. He's God. And sometimes we as Christians forget that He's God. That He is the Lord of our lives if you're saved. That He owns us and we don't own ourselves. And that we are to follow Him. And that we are to obey Him. And we are to do what He wants us to do. You see, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, basically you should have thrown all of your will and all your ways out the window and say, God, you fill it out. It would be like taking a piece of paper and writing at the top, I, God, I will, going to the bottom of it and signing your name. And saying, God, you fill it in. Because you're God. I'm nothing. Boy, it's about time that we as Christians realize that he's God. Amen. We're nothing. That's right. Bible says that our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Say, wait, what's that mean, preacher? It's like the very best that you and I can be in righteousness or being something would be just like a rag that you just cleaned up puke with. And it stinks. And it's filthy. And it's dirty. Compared to the righteousness of God, our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. But oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. So, well, preacher, how can we get to heaven? Come here, Cal. Jesus Christ imputed his righteousness unto us. That word imputed means to place upon. Put your arms in there. You say, preacher, that's kind of big for him. So is God's righteousness for us. Buddy, I'm talking about it covers it all, doesn't it? The righteousness of God. Why? Because everything on the inside is as filthy rags. Why, preacher? Because he's God. He's God. You can wear it. Don't drool on it. He's God. Well, I don't think I want to do that. Well, you're not telling me as a preacher that. Oh, yeah, I am a preacher. I'm not doing that. You do what you want to do. But the Bible says, well, I don't care what the Bible says. Well, really? You're saying that to God? No, preacher, I'm saying it. No, you're saying it to God. 
I can live any old way. I can dress any old way. I can talk any old way I want to. Oh, you better take that up with God. Well, I want to be like the world. You better take that up with God. Because he says, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing. Ooh. Amen, preacher. That's what the Bible says. And where'd that Bible come from? God. Our problem today is we live our lives and we do what we want to with our lives because we don't stop and think and understand that He's God. Not you and me. He sets the rules. All of them. He says, I want you to know I'm God. He said, Preacher, you did all that preaching you never gave us one verse. Okay. Glad you asked. Psalms 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. To be still and know that I'm God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. He's God. And Jonathan, he wants us to know that. Because it determines how we will live. When you begin to treat him like he's just your good friend, you're just your good buddy, and, and man, we're just doing everything together and everything, and you forget that he's God, then you're not going to magnify him. You're not going to glorify him with living like the world and acting like the world, dressing like the world, talking like the world, going where the world goes, doing what the world does, then putting all that stuff together. You're not treating him as God. You're treating him as one of the fellas or one of the girls down the street. He said, I want you to know something. He said, I want you to know my love. He said, I want you to know my presence. He said, I want you to know that you're saved. He said, I want you to know you're secure. He said, I want you to know that, that I answer your prayers. He said, I want you to know that I'm God. You take that one verse and that one thought tonight and you roll that around all week. It's going to get on you. It gets on me because he's God. Let's bow. Father, I thank you for loving us. Lord, help us to know. Lord, you've made it possible for us to know to know you, to know that we're saved, to know that you're a prayer answering God, to know that you love us, to know that we're secure, to know that you're coming back for us. Oh, but oh, how you want us to know you and to know that you're God. Have your will and invitation, Lord. Maybe we just need to find a place tonight and Kneel, bend the knee to God with a head bowed and magnify you as God in our lives. Well, there may be somebody here tonight, I don't know, that do not know Jesus Christ their Savior. 
Lord, I pray that they'd come. I pray, Lord, that they wouldn't just have a hope so, maybe so type salvation, but Lord, they can know that they're saved. Lord, would they come? Let's take a Bible and show them how they can know. Have your will in the invitation, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with your heads bowed?